Good morning. Who's excited to be here? No better spot to be on Sunday than here in church. And listen, we got an exciting announcement, actually, before we dive in. Next week, Pastor Jeremy and Jen will be back here with us. So listen, I know we're excited today, but we allow them every couple years to go on what we call a sabbatical. It's a time where we want them to be rested up. We want to honor them. And they actually couldn't go the last time because of COVID. So this has been well overdue for them, but we are excited to have them back. So listen, here's my ask. Next week when Pastor Jeremy is up here, I would like us to explode if you are in service here. And even if you're watching online, I want you to stand up off your couch and explode for when Pastor Jeremy comes up. Let them know how much we love them. All right, can we do that next week? Yes, we love our pastors. So today we're going to dive into a subject. And this, we're going to actually look at one word today that when I say the word, you're going to know this word. Everybody's heard this word, whether you've been in church or not, everyone knows the word that we're going to talk about. In fact, this word is meant to inspire people, and it is meant to move people to action. In fact, let me tell you some of the quotes from some of the best speakers and authors where they have used this word. Martin Luther King Jr., one of the greatest speakers and pastors of all time, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Is that inspiring or what? I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about this. Look at Eleanor Roosevelt. Now, I don't know where she was in her faith, a former first lady, but she said, if you lose faith, you lose all. That's how important it was to her. Henry David Thoreau, a great author and poem, a poet, he said, the smallest seed of faith is better than the largest fruit of happiness. See, he even knew how important faith was. And then one of the greatest evangelists, probably the greatest evangelist of all time, Billy Graham, look what he said. He said, the greatest legacy one can pass on to your children and grandchildren is not money or other material possessions accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. So listen, when we talk about faith, most people, everyone has heard of faith, but if you ask people in church, it's actually very difficult to define what faith is. But can I tell you that faith is one of the most important things that God has told us about. Because remember, it says in the word, it says, if you've given your heart to God, I want you to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, that's inspiring to me, but it's easier said than done, right? And we're gonna talk about that today. Yes, we wanna walk by faith and not by sight until a bill comes due and we don't have enough money to pay it, right? So that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. And then he goes on in Hebrews 11, and he says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's not more difficult, it's not tough, it's impossible to please him. So when we talk about faith, we can see that God says, listen, this is one of the most important principles that I want you to walk in. Because faith is so important to God because he knows that this is how things happen. When we put our faith in him, this is how things come to pass. So before we dive in, what we're going to actually do today is we're going to look at the word faith, and we're going to define it. We're going to figure out what it even is. Then we're going to find out where does it come from, and then we're going to finish up with what do we do with it. And I'm so excited about this. Before we do that, though, I'm going to read to you two stories where Jesus was amazed by faith. Now listen, it's not often that it says Jesus was amazed. A lot of times the people were amazed with Jesus, but these are the two times where it says Jesus was amazed by faith. Now, one of them was an amazing story and the other one wasn't so amazing. So let's look at Mark 6, verse 5 and 6. Now, this is when Jesus was in Nazareth, his hometown. 
He's a hometown hero. But before, if you remember this, he said, sometimes when you go into your hometown, you're taken for granted, right? That's essentially what he said. So this is what's happening in the story. It says, and because of their unbelief, and if you look up the word unbelief, this is the same root word as faith. So because of their unbelief, he could not do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Now, folks, I want you to think about this. Here's Jesus in his hometown. He knows these people. He grew up with these people. And these people were saying, wasn't this Joseph's son? He knows the families that are there. Don't you think out of anyone, he wants to do something amazing for this group of people. And he walks away, and the scriptures tell us he was amazed at their lack of faith. And because they didn't have faith, he could not do any miracles there. He was amazed at their unbelief. Now let's look at the next story. This is in Luke 7, and this is a story of a Roman centurion who heard that Jesus was in town and his servant was dying. And he sent another one of his servants to ask Jesus to heal this servant that was dying. But here's what the servant said. The servant said to Jesus, listen, my master says you don't come, have to come to his home. In fact, he's not even worthy to have you come. But speak the word and he will be healed. That's what the centurion's servant said. And here was Jesus' response in Luke 7. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. So here are two different stories where it says that he's amazed at their unbelief and could not do anything. And now he's amazed at this centurion's faith. And in fact, remember, he was not a Jew. This was a Roman soldier. And he said, I'm amazed at your faith. So here's the question I have for us as we get started today for us to think about. If Jesus looked at your faith level, how would he be amazed? Would he say, listen, I'm, I'm amazed at how high your faith is. You're believing for things that I want you to believe for that I placed in your heart. Or would he be amazed at your unbelief? And listen, if I was transparent with you, this message, if it's not for anybody else in here, this message is for me. Because as I started to contemplate this, I began to realize there's some things in my life that I think I would have to answer that Jesus would be amazed at my unbelief. See, Jesus has come through for us so many times and I'm having trouble right now believing him for some things that he's already come through for and I know he's promised. So I want you to know that this message is for me as well as I hope it's for you. But the question remains, how would he be amazed? Look at your last week. What have you prayed for? Do you feel like you are at a level 10 of faith or are you down here saying, God, I'm about to give up? I don't know that you can come through. And in fact, when I was preparing this message, I did not know that we were starting the 21 days of prayer today. And as I began to think about it, I began to realize what a perfect message to kick off the 21 days of prayer. Because now is the time for us to extend our faith, for God to be amazed at the belief that we have in him, and no better time to do that over the next 21 days. Now listen, every time I speak, I have you write down at least one phrase. Now I hope you take notes throughout the whole time but I want you to write this phrase down or take a picture of it on the screen, however you want to remember it, because this phrase will summarize our entire message today. Are you ready? You have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. 
You have no idea. In fact, the title of the message today, so we don't forget it, is You Have No Idea. You have no idea what God may produce through one single seed planted in faith today. And so my hope is that some of you may have some dreams that you've let go. And my hope is that today you plant that seed again because you have no idea what he might do. Or my hope is that God stirs something new in you and you plant a seed of faith because you're saying, God, I heard what you said and I believe you now for the impossible. We have no idea what God can do with one single seed planted in faith. So let's dive in. Let's look at this inspiring word of faith and figure out what it even is. So if you ask someone that's grown up in church, if you say, well, what is faith? They would say, well, the definition is in Hebrews 11.1. So let's look at Hebrews 11.1. It says here that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, even if you don't know what that means, that's inspiring. That just feels like, wow, that is amazing. But we want to dive in and figure out what these words actually mean. So it says, now faith is the substance. Now the Greek word for substance is hypostasis. You're not going to be required to know that. I know we have teachers in here. There's no test after this, after this message, all right? Hypostasis. But I want you to think about this. The, the part hypo means under, and stasis means to stand. This word means that which stands under or a foundation. So when it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, it is saying that it is the foundation of God that we are standing on. And when it talks about things that you hope for, that's what you're praying for. So over the next 21 days as we walk into prayer, when you pray for something, you are standing on the foundation of faith. That's what this word means. And so when we think about this, God says this is where it all starts. When you begin to pray, I need you to have a foundation of faith and to stand on that foundation. Now, let me give you a physical example of this. Behind me, there's a picture of the Chicago skyline. Look at this skyline. That is an iconic skyline, beautiful skyline. If you take a picture of that from Lake Michigan, man, it might bring tears to your eyes if you're in the right moment, right? But listen, we look at the buildings and we think, those are amazing. Those buildings look so beautiful. But what does every one of these buildings have in common? They all have a foundation. Because see, if it didn't have a foundation when a windstorm came or the rain came, those buildings would blow over. But see, we take the foundation for granted because we see the beautiful skyline. When was the last time you saw a picture of the foundations of all of these buildings? You don't see that, right? We look at the evidence. We look at the, the, the finished part of it and say, that's amazing. We don't care about the foundation, but can I tell you, God cares about the foundation. Because here's the thing, when we talk about faith, it exists beneath and supports what's visible. See, when those buildings were built, you couldn't see the end result. Because remember, sometimes these buildings on the skyline, they take years to build. But when the foundation was poured, it was evidence that a building was coming. You didn't get that. Let me say that again. When the foundation was poured, it was evidence that the building was coming. See, the building might take years, but not one person would walk by there and say, well, that's not a building. 
Why? Because they saw the foundation. They knew a building was coming, and that's what God is saying here. That's the last part of it. It says it's the evidence of things not seen. When you build a foundation of faith, it is evidence that those things you don't see are coming. And God gives us this example. He talks about Abraham, the father of faith in Romans 4. And remember, he promised Abraham and Sarah they would have a child. It was decades before they actually had a child. But listen to what it says here about Abraham in Romans 4, verse 20. It says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Now, I want you to think about something. If God came to you and said, hey, listen, you're going to have a child or gave you whatever promise that you feel like God has given you, and you had to wait two decades for that to come true, would God describe you as fully convinced? Now, I got to admit, I'm not sure I could do that, but God specifically says that Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Nothing made him waver. Why? Because he built his foundation of faith on God. Because can I tell you that when we build this foundation, this is God's promises we are standing on. So no matter what comes, and if you read the story of Abraham, there was a lot of things that happened there, a lot of storms, a lot of seasons, but it said he was fully convinced and decided to stay on the foundation of faith. In fact, I think this is what Jesus was saying to Thomas, the disciple. If you remember, after he rose from the dead, Thomas wanted to see the nails in his hands and feet. And listen to what he said to him in John 20, verse 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, God's saying to us today, listen, I have a promise and a story for each one of you. You may not have seen it yet, but what I'm asking you to do is stand on the foundation of faith. Even if you haven't seen it, believe me that it is possible. Now listen, I, I'm a huge Cubs fan. Anyone in here a Cubs fan? I see someone right over here in a Cubs jersey. And if you're a Brewers fan or a White Sox fan or a Cardinals fan, what, we won't judge you for that. At least I won't right up front. But listen, I'm a huge Cubs fan. In fact, when I was a kid, my parents used to take me to at least one Cubs game a year. And we would go there, and I made signs. In fact, one year I made a sign that said, Go Cubs, go. And we went to the game, and this is when we had VHS tapes. So we taped the game just to see if I would make it on WGN. So we got home that night, and we watched the whole game again. I'm sure my mom and dad were like, we were just there. What are we doing? Literally two outs left in the game. They're panning the crowd. And here I am holding up my sign. And Harry Carey says, go Cubs, go, that youngster says. And I watched that, time, that video a thousand times. That's how big of a Cubs fan I was, all right? And as we know, the Cubs have been terrible most of my life and most of all of our lives, actually. But they did have that one year, right? That 2016 year. 
And it was funny because as I was preparing for this message, we actually were watching some highlights of that game. It was on the Marquee Network, and my family was making fun of me because they remember how stressed out I was watching that game. If you remember, that game was like 12 hours long. It took forever. I was walking around the family room, you know, yelling and screaming and all these things. And my family the other day was laughing at me. And I thought, this is going to be a really good example of what we're talking about today. Because as we were going through it, I would love to tell you that I had faith the Cubs were going to win, but I did not. I had hope. I was praying that they were going to win, but I had no faith that they were going to win, right? But as the game started going on and they were winning and they're up five to one, I'm thinking, oh my word, like, is this really going to happen? And then if you remember, things started to unravel. David Ross got hit in the face in his mask and almost got knocked unconscious. We started making errors like crazy. And I just thought to myself, the curse is real. The Cubs are never going to win. That's what's going to happen. So as the game's going on, I'm losing faith. But then this happened and it crushed my faith. Let's watch this video. but I don't know who Rajay Davis is, but that night he was the most hated man in Chicago, <laughs> right? And I remember my texting my friends. They're like, Chapman's terrible. He's the worst closer ever. Joe Madden, he just doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm thinking to myself, it's over. This is over, right? So you're stressing out. You're thinking, oh my word, this is never going to happen. And then if you remember, the infamous rainstorm came, right? It was God crying because the Cubs are never going to win the World Series. <laughs> and so now the rainstorm comes and it's getting late. And we're thinking, and so now we, the stress gets lengthened out even more. But then the Cubs come back, and God's miracle happens. Let's watch the rest of this. this tip. That's a base hit. Rizzo scores. Zobrist is held. 8-6 Chicago. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Bryant. The Cubs win the World Series. Bryant makes the play. It's over. And the Cubs have finally won it all. 8-7 and 10. Here's what I love about that clip. Anthony Rizzo going like this is what all of us were doing, right? He can't believe it either. This is going, everyone's going nuts. But how many people thought that when Chris Bryant got that, if you saw his foot slipped, he was going to throw it over Anthony Rizzo's head? I mean, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen because I'm thinking this, this is never going to happen. The Cubs are cursed, but they won. So why am I showing you this video of the Cubs besides that we love to celebrate the Cubs winning? The reason I'm showing you this is when I watched this game, I was stressed out like the rest of you were. I had no faith that the Cubs were going to win. But when I was watching this with my family the other day, when Rajah Davis hit that home run, I started laughing. Why did I start laughing? Because I knew the end result. 
I knew what was coming. I knew Ben Zobris was going to get a hit. I knew uh, Chris Bryant was going to get that ground ball and throw them out. I knew the end result. So here's what I want you to remember. Faith is the pre-knowledge of the coming victory. And this knowledge produces peace. See, when I watch the Cubs highlights now, I have complete peace. I know they're going to win. And that's how God wants us to be with his promises. He wants us to stand in faith and in peace know his outcome is going to be beneficial for us. He has a good plan for us. So just like we can watch those highlights today and celebrate, God wants us to walk in the same confidence by faith of his promises. So listen, we talked about faith is now a foundation. It's a foundation of what we are standing on. So where does faith come from? It talks about in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the result of God speaking the outcome to your heart. Faith is the result of God speaking the outcome to your heart. And what God asks us to do is once we know the outcome, we have to own the outcome. And then we're expected to protect and retain the ownership of that till the end through patience. See, God says, listen, when I give you a promise, I speak the promise to your heart through my word, I want you to own the outcome. See, most people say, all right, I'm going to own the outcome until it doesn't happen, and then I'm just, I'm done, God. I, don't, I can't believe you anymore, right? In fact, a couple months ago, when I spoke on Bravest Prayer, a couple came up to me and told me a testimony that their daughter had a bone, dis, a disformed bone that she was going to have to have surgery on. She heard the message and said, God, I am standing on your promise that I am going to be healed. They went back to the doctor and she didn't need surgery anymore. The bone was completely formed back to how it was supposed to be. And I thought about that and I thought, God spoke a word to this daughter. She owned the outcome and knew that this is God's promise and she stood on the foundation of faith. So listen, when we are going through and walking through our journey, what's going on around you doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what God has said to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't come by seeing. Faith comes by hearing. And that's why he said, I want you to walk by faith and not by sight, because faith comes by hearing. Now, God gives us a perfect example of this when the story of Peter walking on the water. If you remember, Jesus told the disciples to go to the other side. He had given them a word. So they're in the boat here, and Jesus walks out on water. If you remember the story, and they thought it was a ghost. And Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. And what did Jesus say? Come. He spoke a word to Peter. He spoke the outcome to Peter's heart. And because of that, Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk on the water. Now listen, I know we make fun of Peter because he started to drown after a little bit. But let's just remember, he's taken more steps on the water than you have. All right? So whether it was two or three... Whatever it is, he took some more steps. But what happened? The story actually tells us that he started to look at the wind and the waves and started to drown. Now, let's be honest. Did the wind and the waves have anything to do with him walking on the water? If it was a sunny morning, it wouldn't have mattered. He shouldn't have been walking on the water. But because Jesus had spoke a word to him, that was implanted in his heart and he owned the outcome and began to walk on the water. 
And I think Jesus uses this as an example for all of us. Don't look at the wind and the waves. Don't look at the bills that are coming due. Don't look at the relationship you don't have or the relationship you do have that's not going well. Don't look at the job that you don't like or don't have. God says, I want you to stand on the foundation of faith. Don't look at what is going on. Own the outcome of what I have spoken to your heart and stand on the foundation of faith. You have no idea what God may produce through one single seed planted in faith today. So listen, we found out what faith was. It's the foundation we're to stand on. We now have found out where it comes from. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so God plants that outcome in our heart and we are to own the outcome. So now what do we do when we have this in our hearts? What do we do with faith? So before I tell you, I want to read two stories where Jesus talks about faith to his disciples and he tells us exactly what we are supposed to do in these stories. Let's look at Luke 8 first. So Luke 8, verse 24 and 25, says the disciples went out and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we are going to drown. Now, if you remember, this is the story where Jesus actually got in the boat with them this time and said, we are going to the other side. That was the word he had planted in their heart. We are going to the other side. Notice Jesus didn't say, hey, guys, we're going to go and we're going to drown in the middle of the lake. That's what we're going to do today, all right? He said, we're going to the other side. But this storm came and somehow Jesus fell asleep. I don't know about you. I hate tenting, tenting, I hate camping and being in a tent. But Jesus is in a boat getting poured on by rain, probably with no pillow and he's sleeping. I'm not sure that's impossible, but God's the God of the impossible. So they wake him up and they say, Jesus, we are going to drown. And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked. And I want you to remember that. He rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And suddenly the storm, the storm stopped and all was calm. And they asked him, or then Jesus said to them, where is your faith? Now, if you get woken up from a nap, I don't know about you, I'm not always that excited about getting woken up from a nap. Jesus may have yelled at them and said, where is your faith? You bunch of idiots, what are we doing around here? But I have a feeling Jesus didn't say that. I have a feeling Jesus looked at them with love in his eyes and said, where is your faith? And if you look up this word where, it actually means in what place? Jesus is asking them, in what place is your faith? Is your faith in the wind and the waves, or is your faith in the foundation that I've asked you to walk on? Where is your faith? And I think Jesus was also saying, listen, you have faith. Why aren't you exercising the faith that I have given you? The second story is in Luke 17, a few chapters later. And it says, the apostles came to the Lord and said, increase our faith. Now, this is an interesting phrase, and Jesus doesn't answer their question. Look at what he says. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, it's very interesting that they say, increase our faith, And Jesus doesn't say, okay, well, you need to increase your faith. In fact, he says, listen, you don't need to increase your faith. I've given you faith. In fact, faith as a mustard seed is enough faith to speak to a mulberry tree and have it pulled up and be thrown into the sea. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed. In fact, you can't really see a mustard seed. 
I am holding one here. Just to prove it to you, I have a whole can of mustard seeds here. You can't see it. Now, Jesus could have said, if you have faith as a grape, okay, and you know, we all know what a grape is. If you have faith as a raisin, but he chose literally one of the smallest things that the eye can see. And he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain. And I believe Jesus was saying to them, listen, you don't need to increase your faith. I've given you faith. What I'm asking you to do is release your faith. Plant that seed of faith. Use the faith that I have given you. So how do we release our faith? God is very clear in his word that how you release your faith is through speaking. And I'm going to prove it to you in these verses, but if you look all throughout scripture, it is a theme everywhere it talks about believing in faith. In fact, the day you gave your life to God, if you've given your heart to God here in the service today, the day you did that, you released your faith. Let me read it to you in Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. See, Jesus says, when I put something in your heart and you believe it, your job is to speak it. So when you gave your heart to God, you said, God, I believe you. I confess my sins and make you Lord of my life. You don't do that without saying anything. You speak that. And Jesus is very clear here that when you believe in your heart and speak, that's how you give your heart to God. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.13. It says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Now, when we look at Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 11, this is probably the most famous scripture on faith when it talks about speaking our faith. In Mark 11, 22 through 24, says, Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. Now, some scriptures say, have the God kind of faith, but have faith in God. What we just talked about here with the foundation, have your faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, It doesn't say whoever thinks to this mountain. It says whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you will receive them and you will have them. See, all throughout scripture, God says, listen, if you're gonna release your faith, once I plant that word in your heart, and you own the outcome, your job is to speak it. That is your job. Faith comes by hearing and is released by speaking. Faith comes by hearing and is released by speaking. So here's my encouragement to you. Over the next 21 days, as we go through the 21 days of prayer and beyond, God has spoken promises to each one of us. God has promises in his word. My encouragement to you is to speak those promises. No matter what's going on, just like Peter walking on water, don't worry about the wind and the waves. Your job is to stand on the foundation of faith and speak what God has put in your heart. And and you might say, you know what, Derek? I don't really know how to do that. I've never done that before. Well, we've got some resources for you. Today, as you walk out, where there's a printout of 21 verses that you can confess over the next 21 days to really begin to stir up your faith. We've got it online as well. But let me read to you some of these 
promises, these outcomes that God wants to speak to your heart. I am complete in Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am forgiven of all my sins and washed by the blood of the Lamb. I have not received, or I have received the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I have not received the spirit of fear. I am a new creation. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Folks, God has a promise for whatever situation you are walking through. And he wants to plant that word in your heart for you to own the outcome and declare it. Because you have no idea what God may produce through one seed planted in faith today. Just one, a mustard seed of faith planted. And so as the band is gonna come and play, this is not a time to leave. We've left an extra couple minutes here in the service to reflect on this. But I believe there's two people, two types of people in this room. The first type is someone that you had a dream. You were praying for something. You were believing for something for so long. You were standing on this foundation of faith and it hasn't happened yet. And you have stepped off and you're not owning the outcome anymore. I believe God wants to stir up that dream and that prayer in your heart again today. God's promises don't go away. If he laid that in your heart, be like Abraham and be fully convinced that it is coming to pass. So I believe that that's the first group that God is reminding you what that dream was in that prayer. But the other group of people, I believe that God today or over the next 21 days is gonna plant a seed of faith in your heart for something to believe for. And you're gonna stand on faith, you're gonna stand on this foundation of faith and say, God, I am believing you for financial breakthrough. I am believing you that my marriage will be restored. I am believing you this relationship will be restored. I am believing you I can begin to tithe. Whatever it is, you are standing on the foundation of faith. And God is stirring that up in you saying, listen, this is what I am calling you to do. Let's start on a journey of faith. So whatever camp you're in today, as we listen to this song, More Than Able, one of my favorite songs, it talks about we don't even know what can happen with all the faith in the room because God has faith in this room combined and he wants to plant a dream in each one of our hearts. And he's saying, listen, here's the deal. Your job is to stand on the foundation today, own the outcome and speak what I've put in your heart. So whatever camp you're in today, let's take a moment and reflect on that and commit to God that we are gonna stand on his foundation of faith.